Hi, I'm Lisa Carney, and you're listening to He Shoots, He Draws podcast. Welcome to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast, the show about photography and design, with your hosts, Glenn Dewis and Dave Clayton. Hello and welcome back to this special edition of He Shoots, He Draws. Now I say special, it's actually a rewind edition, it's actually one that's been out before. But I was looking at the Adobe Max website, uh, which is coming up on October the 20th to the 22nd, and realised looking through the speakers that the show had had quite a few of the speakers actually as interview guests. So what I thought it'd be nice to do is rather than just share an old episode, what I've done is I've actually taken the old episode, cut off the beginning, and I wanted to share five episodes this week each day with previous guests who are going to be at Adobe Max. And then also closer to Adobe Max, I'm probably going to do another five guests and release them each day because we've had some great guests on this show and sometimes the older episodes don't get heard by newer listeners so please excuse us for actually re-releasing old episodes this week but I just thought it'd be nice to do this for the guests I'm actually going to be re-interviewing a couple of them over the next couple of weeks anyway but for now starting today Monday we're going to go with the wonderful Lisa Carney who is an amazing poster artwork artist she's a hollywood queen she's um she's at the top of her game she is the she's the person that other designers want to be in her world uh lisa is just an amazing person absolutely love her to bits uh we got to meet her at adobe max and subsequently did the interview shortly afterwards and lisa is just an absolute darling and so well respected in the industry so for this first episode today on monday i'm going to hand it over to lisa so lisa take it away who am i i am an entertainment advertising finisher Ooh, Ooh. print finisher and beauty retoucher isn't that exciting very. I, I like that. I was I was thought you were gonna say I'm like a Hollywood movie poster creator extraordinaire, blah blah blah. But yeah, gotta keep that we're gonna get into that because that is actually what you are. I that? am, that yes, you but you don't say that. In Hollywood we never say what we really are, do we? <laughs> <laughs> Ever. All right. Well listen, I we've I've kind of known of you a couple of years. We met just over a year ago, I guess yeah. it was, when we were at the first well, my first Adobe Max. And I was I gotta say I was nervous meeting you, although Alan Hess kind of helped me because it was at the Tiki Max. The reason I was nervous was I got to know of you. I saw you on Creative Live. I brought your class, and then I'm at Tiki Max having a cheeky drink with Alan, and then you're there, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's that Lisa Carney. <laughs> and then you just came over and started talking. Like, She's really cool. Oh, well, thank that's you. That's really nice. So I thank Alan for the introduction. Awesome. Alan's great. <laughs> well, and I have to tell you, I was completely impressed when I saw you at Adobe Max. Completely impressed. Wow, thank you yeah. very much. Yeah, it was a really great session. I remember it. And, and there was some stuff you taught that I was like, well, holy shit, I didn't know I should do that. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I'm so glad I'm recording this. I'm going to keep that forever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and I think it's one of those things, like many of us, we work in a vacuum. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and, and totally, yeah. Then we see someone else do a step. And it was a really basic thing you had done, but it was just a technique I'd never considered. And I was like, well, yeah. my God. But isn't that like, it's always the way with Photoshop, yeah. isn't it? It's always those things, well, I never thought of doing that. Yeah, so. and it's why it's important not to get arrogant, you know what I mean? To be like someone, you, you can learn, I've been doing this, what, 25 years? 
and I still yeah. learn something new all the time. You know, in my head, I, I sat. I was stood in the back of one of your classes with Alan when he was taking pictures of you at the recent. Yeah, Adobe I saw Max. you. Yeah, yeah. And you know, when I when I kind of see you and I hear, I think of Lee. I think of you saying, "Lisa Love Levels." Yeah, because <laughs> I, I wanted to remember. You know these poor yeah, kids. Yeah. And it's, I do. I do remember. Yeah. See, it works. See, you got to get some kind of. Uh, I don't know if it's nomenclature or what the word is, but. There's so much to learn. There's too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got to give them a little click to, oh, yeah, Lisa said something about levels. What was, oh, L. Yeah. 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 Right. So come on then. I've, I want to know more about you, as does Dave. We want to okay. know more about you. So you say in Hollywood, you don't really say what you do. You, and you, record, you describe yourself as a, a finisher. Yeah. Beauty retoucher. Now, to us in the UK, we look at you and you're like, wow, you, you do the Hollywood movie posters. I mean, we interviewed Corey Barker a couple of weeks ago. It'd be now by the time this goes out. Yeah. And, you know, Dave, you were saying to Corey, man, you should be doing that. You know, you should be doing that. How did you, where, where did it all start? All right. When did you pick up Photoshop and how on earth did you end up doing what you're doing now with these Hollywood movie posters? All right, I will tell you what, how I started. And there is no one singular path, which is kind of the cool thing. Anybody could do it. Anybody which is kind of exciting. So I um, I grew up here, I'm from Southern California, and I went to this pretty well-known art school called Art Center, and I got a degree in photography. And I love shooting, shooting, I love it, it's my passion. But I wanted to be an editorial portrait shooter. And so what that means is people are gonna hire me to shoot their portrait, but I have this tendency to shoot people the way they feel to me, not the way they wanna look. Do you understand what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, yeah, So yeah, I get yeah. these actors coming to me and they want to be all heroic and they're sad and pathetic and weak. And that's how the photos would look. And I was like, okay, I got a problem here. And the day yeah. I graduated this school, I owed $100,000 in student loans. The Ouch. day I graduated. Yeah, and that was wow. 25, 28 years ago. $100,000. So I started working at what we used to call in the old days a service bureau. It yep. would be a place where you'd get outputs, like film outputs from your digital work. And digital was just coming on. Photoshop was at Photoshop 2.0, mm -hmm. 2.5. Layers was just becoming a thing, just. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, in yeah. fact, when I first started, there was no, first year, there was no layers. And um, I used to work at the service bureau. I did Photoshop in school. And there was a, a service bureau and then this motion picture finishing house. They no longer exist anymore. But what a motion picture finishing house was, is these companies, very expensive, and they had to use proprietary computers that cost, cost like millions of dollars. Quantel paint boxes, Shima Seikis, and they, they literally, you'd work in a suite, and they did the movie posters. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm, I'm laughing because there's a cat on your shoulder. <laughs> oh, my baby, yes, sorry, yes. <laughs> we have our full service house here, yes. That was so cool, I just yeah, saw this sorry. great cat peering over. Wait till gorgeous. the dog comes up here, he's uh, next. Oh, brilliant. He's awesome. Hey, what, are you, what are you doing, What, mum? What are you doing, why, why are yeah. those people oh, there? He'll, he'll be, he'll be on, on the table in a second. Um, so anyway, I worked at, uh, there was a finishing house that did movie posters and I just kept walking by it going, God, I just really want to do that. I really want to do that. So I did what you'd commonly call as an informational interview. And I went in there and I said, Hey, I really want to work here. What do I need to know? And they're like, okay, well we hire Mac artists to do preparatory work. So if you knew masking and basic, uh, retouching, you could work here. And I went, Okay, so I went out and I joined a, a company that made video box reproductions, like For Whom the Bell Tolls or um, It's a Wonderful Life. They would do yeah. the colorized video boxes. Yeah, yeah. It was a wow. job. It was horrible. But I learned so much. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I had three jobs all at one time. And out here in Southern California, nothing is close. 
So I lived in Santa Monica, and then I'd have to drive 45 minutes to Pasadena. That would now take you two hours. And then I'd have to drive from Pasadena to Calabasas. And I did all three of these jobs at the same time so that I could have these skills. And then I went to this company, and I said about three months later, six months later, I said, hey, knocking on the door, you said if I learned this, you might consider me, right? And a guy, named, the, the general manager of the company was Mark Armstrong, and he told me later, he said he felt 100% obligated to give me a try because he had told me to go out and learn this. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I got sat down in a suite at night, you know, when the whole crew's gone, we had a giant Wacom tablet. I'd never even seen a Wacom tablet. And they, were give, they gave me a Barbie doll to retouch. And I don't know if you guys know this with product. When they first come out with a doll, they have seams and they photograph them with pins in their hands to hold them in position. Right. Okay. So you have to retouch all that out. And I, so I sat there going, holy shit, what am I going to do? I'm going to figure this tablet out. And I passed the test and he hired me. Wow. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. It was only because I had the balls to go in there and say, hey, can I work here? What would it take? And that just goes, yeah, and that just goes to show when we've said before with other people is they get that whole, oh, look at her. It's all right for her doing that. Yeah, I bet I bet that just came knocking at her door one day and the guy went, hey, do you want to do movie posters? Yeah, awesome. But yeah. you have to go and put that groundwork you in. Do. You have you to just... go and prove yourself. And, and Dave, you have to do that now. There's no school to go learn how to do this. There's no, there's no degree. There's no special oh, I want to go do that. No, you have to figure out some skills. And I think people are afraid to ask. Yes. You know, you could yeah. go on this website called impawards.com. Oh, I've yeah, seen that. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. amazing. And you look at who does the most amazing movie poster work, and it'll tell you who it is. You click on the link. It takes you to their website. Call them up. Go, God, yeah, I that, that's the website. Here. I've been recommending that website for years when yeah. people talk about where to you get your ideas from. And I say, well, just go to Imp Awards. Yeah. Type in a movie or see all the artwork and to give ideas for stuff. So it's brilliant. How weird it's that you now mention that. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, I use it. I use it when I'm doing my design work now to get ideas and thoughts and whatnot. So, so long story short is I basically worked my way up. And then um, I thought I was going to be one of those Shimaseki artists. And they made like $450,000 a year. It was like awesome. Yeah, and then, I saw that. Right? But then Max started coming out the quad. I don't know if it's long time ago they came out with a box called the quad and that's when Mac yeah i remember that yeah a long time yeah. ago but that's when it all of a sudden started shifting and, and it became like oh you don't need to have a million dollar computer to do these you could now get by with a ten thousand dollar computer or do you remember jazz drives and sidequest drives? yeah yeah and, yeah those kind of jazz things drives. like when it became like you could transfer information and the internet started because keep in mind most of this was before the internet even that's how old I am. <laughs> I, I had my first computer. I had an Amstrad, which had a green screen monitor. And then when I was really getting into it, I had, we had a brand here called Time. I don't know if you had those in the States, but Time Machine. And it was a, I remember I was like, I can't, I'm so looking forward to it. Color monitor. It was a 19 inch monitor that went back about 38 inches. Yes, right? Huge, huge. <laughs> right? Right? Huge. Yeah, oh, and the heat that came off those things, right? With two, oh, yeah. with two oh, meg God, of yeah. memory. Yeah, right? Yeah, two right? men had to bring it in yeah. for me. That explains why so many people are infertile and our brains are all fried, those darn yeah. monitors. So, but anyway, so yeah, that was a good uh, almost 30 years ago. So you started, Lee. So when you started then, you were at the very beginning of the digital age. So at that point, you are coming into it that early. Were you working with people that had done it non uh, non digitally? Analog, analog. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cut and paste, painting. Yeah, 
Yeah, and in fact, there's still some of those creative directors around, and they're brilliant because when you're designing with them, and if you're doing the the work for them, because often some of them, their hand skills in the computer aren't super, but their design ideas are amazing. If they tell you you reduce that 8.5%, it is exactly 8.5% because they're the people who used to do it on a Xerox machine. Do you know what right. I mean? You'd have yeah, to do yeah. reduction, your reduction, your reduction, and then you cut and paste and then shoot it. Yeah, and then we did a lot of film. People would shoot film and you'd scan it and design with that. Right. You know, no, iPhones didn't exist. Digital photography was just beginning, all that, yeah. Well, it's like Albert Watson was saying with the Mick Jagger thing where he, he took the photograph of the tiger yeah. and then he drew on the back of the camera and then like did a double exposure. And, yep, yep. And when you think of those movie posters from, from back then that were done by hand, I know um, I'll mention him later, but uh, the Drew Struzan kind of period. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you look at some of these beautiful old, photographic posters and you sort of forget that there was no digital age for that well you know it's nice there's a resurgence now in the industry where you see is folks are getting out of the box and they're actually shooting things so there's a company called uh, VLT and Associates where I do I've been working for them for well over 20 years now and designers will actually build things and shoot it they're getting out of the computer right and then put it back in the computer because there is something tactile that we Mm. lose do you, do you know what I mean? And or yeah, uh, yeah. or they'll print. Some folks uh, of late are doing paintings, where not just digital paintings, but actual paintings, outputting onto large format prints, and then painting on top of it, and then reshooting it. Right. Okay. Yeah. I used to think when it when photography when because me being a photographer and I've I've only really done the digital side of it. Mm-hmm. And when I kind of, and I still get, I can't still get the feeling now. When I hear people saying, "Oh yeah, I'm, I'm kind of getting some film and I'm developing film," I used to think they're just trying to sound all arty farty. Do you know what I mean? I thought yeah. they were trying to make themselves sound something special, but I know what you mean. I really do know what you mean about actually having that hands-on tactile yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, I actually would love to get my hands on now an an analog kind of camera with film, yeah. just to give it a go. Yeah, I really would. Well, and there's ways to mimic film. But for the newer designers coming up, they don't even know what that means. Yeah. Do, do you understand? Yeah. Like, I know how to mimic film because, I, you know, I used to shoot with a 4 by 5 camera. So I understand depth of field based on, you know, and racking focus because I did it. And if yeah. you've never done it, then you, how do you know how to replicate it if you need to replicate it? Yeah. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. You know, this grey hair is here for a reason. I yeah. have shot cameras with film. But yeah. it's just that as a photographer, I've only been a photographer as a my thing uh digital so yeah. i mean I, I had friends who used to talk about they did weddings and they were using hasselblads and they had a, a film roll in it and they used to keep these elastic bands on their on their arms so that when a roll of 12 would finish they'd quickly take it out take the band off wrap it up put it in a bag get another film out put it on no, if it had been like that there's no way we would be sat here now and talking yeah. because yeah. i would never have been in this industry well you, you, well, you'd be chance. amazed i used to i used to do that actually you'd be amazed you'd i know when i first that. started uh, doing design work and from long long time ago and and when I had my first uh, so I used to do like fanzine artwork mm-hmm. um, and just like making comic covers and uh, posters for fake chocolate brands that me and my brother used to go and buy sweets and rewrap them up and sell them to my mum for awesome. weight but <laughs> I remember the little techniques of you know having a sharp knife having letter set cutting letters out of magazines using a photocopy using tipex using yeah. different colored papers and, and re-scanning and I used to have so much fun doing it yeah. I mean it was a mess yeah. but yeah. when you got that final thing and you showed someone 
they didn't really care how you did it but the fact that they didn't question what you'd done was that yeah i've done the job here and it was very sex pistols you know yeah odd ransom note lettering kind of effects and and you used to be able to get like the half tones and the, and the scan like if you're scanning a piece of paper open the lid a little bit just to get right. that little burst exactly right you want the, the flare yeah absolutely yeah. And, and i think there's that's worth doing again i think it's yeah it's it's coming know. back it's yeah coming back yeah. but you can buy resources I don't know why, but in my head dave sorry mate in yeah. my head i've got this thing you you mentioned about doing the the chocolate the fake chocolate thing so you'd rewrap them and send yeah. them to your mom as soon as you said that it made me think of this little tip or hint i was given years ago about when you go to an old people's home never eat brazil nuts because <laughs> <laughs> they've sucked all the chocolate off yeah because they've got no <laughs> they can't yeah. bite on the nuts <laughs> maybe i'll cut that out no i, I think well mm, wow yeah, never eat the raisins <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brazil nuts. I didn't know y'all had chocolate-covered Brazil nuts over there. Yeah. we don't really do that over here. It's a Christmas yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, it's a Christmas thing. Okay. So, Lisa. Yes, right, Okay, so here we are then. You've, you're now in in that industry. What, yeah. what I am really fascinated by is, because like Dave said before we started recording, we're looking at some of the work you've done. I'm thinking, oh, I can't believe, wow, you did that one. The one that really stands out to me is the Russell Crowe, Man of Steel. That's just like, wow, I love that poster. And that's probably one that you think, eh, but you've done because you've done so many others. Yeah, well, and what, but, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to step on you there. I, you know, what, so what I want to really distinguish between is there's poster design and then there's finishing. And I, my primary industry for me is I'm a finisher. That means someone else designed it and I just finished it. Okay. Okay. So that leads us in then. So yeah. talk us, take us through the process. So there you are, Lisa. Now I presume you kind of you, you operate under your company name, so you're kind of freelance. Yep. How does it work when, let's say, a new movie's either is, is coming out or there, there's a concept for a new movie? What's the process for getting a hold of you okay. to then say, right, this is what we want? All right. There's a couple different avenues. So we'll go over a couple of different ones. So uh, for the larger A-title films, you know, the big films, the, the movie studios will contract with a advertising agency that specializes in entertainment art. And they will do designs, and they will do a gazillion designs. I mean, Jesus, I'm trying to think of the Spider-Man, the new Spider-Man, how many designs? Thousands. There can be thousands of comps designed. And then they'll finally decide what they want to do concept-wise. And maybe they'll have 15 different versions. Maybe they'll have two. Maybe they'll have character sales. That's when each character gets their own poster. And then those companies will hire a finisher to finish it, to, to, to build it proper from mm -hmm. scratch right. all over again. Now, some of those companies have in-house finishers and then some people have uh, freelance finishers they use because of volume and work. Or they'll send out to a company. So, for example, there's a company in Hollywood, very, very famous, called Daniel Clark and & Associates. And he is a digital finisher. And he does all of Disney. He's amazing. He's a brilliant illustrator. Uh, Paul Shipper. Do you guys know Paul Shipper? Yeah, he's I know Paul. He's he's a, a, yeah. Paul lives he, about 15 miles from me. Oh, brilliant. So he's a great <laughs> illustrator. So he'll get called to do a job, you know, to yeah. actually do an illustration. So there's different methods. But um, generally, it's kind of a closed internal circle that the studios don't know me. The entertainment ad agencies know me. And yeah, right. Yeah. Does that make sense? Now that's yeah, as yeah. a finisher. That's not as a designer. Now there's some studios that will call me, and I get to actually design the pieces, and that's awesome. I really love doing that as well. It doesn't pay as well, but it's it it has that creative outlet See that, for me. How funny is that? That you you creating it pays less than you finishing it. It is 
hugely important issue to discuss, I think, for people who want to get into this because uh, there's a couple a couple reasons about that. First of all, when you're an art director, you're kind of low on the pay scale and high on the hour scale. So you're working long, long, long hours. Yeah. But if you can hang in there and really uh, hone your skills and you can become a creative director, which means you'll make bank. But the faster way to make a better living is to be a finisher. Finishers make you know three to four times what a designer makes. Wow. And you have to have mad Photoshop skills. You have to be really good. It's a craft. But creatively, it's not that fulfilling. So you, so do you deal mostly as a finisher? Like at the moment, I'm look, I was going through picking shows that I liked. And, you know, my, my, my secret one is Grey's Anatomy. But um, I'm, for the manly thing, I'm looking at Tom Clancy's Patriot Games, uh, Jack Ryan. Right. So, so there you've got four posters with John Krasinski, and you've got four different backgrounds, four poses, the text. It, it with that particular poster, then are you issued with the layers, and they just go right, make this, uh, make this usable, make this public. Yeah. So what? Ha- yes, that's exactly right. And that was done by a company called Iconesis that designed by them. Yeah. And then what? Hopefully, depending on the client. Now that was for Amazon. So with Amazon, there's more leeway to make it better, to actually use your craft and make it look better. Meaning if they didn't resolve the smoke behind his head, say, can I bring out some more detail? Can I paint that? Can I change that and enhance it? But on theatrical work, you can't do it. So many people have signed off on that poster. So many lawyers, producers, actors, you don't dare change it. So someone's arm might be too small or weird. You don't dare touch it. You do not dare. So, for example, I don't have it on my website, but if someone looked up the Scorpion King poster, oh yeah, Lil, yeah. the lady's yeah. arm is completely yeah, dead. and they wouldn't let I'm me making fix a it. note of that. Yeah, take right. a look at it. It's horrible. It's horrible. Well, it's too, it's uh, Tomb Raider just got blasted recently, didn't it? Because her neck was too long, and uh, and her head was going back too unnaturally, and that was uh, that was something I wanted to ask you was have uh, and I, <laughs> please take this the right way. As a professional, have you ever had like a massive oh sh? Daily, uh, really? <laughs> Daily, Pub- I shit you but not. I mean, by like a public, like it's gone yes. out, and you've looked yes. at it and gone, yes. shit. Do I mention it? Yeah, it happens all the time. I and I do mention it. It's just I, I, you have to respect who's paying the che- paying you, and you do what they want. And if that's what they want, okay. Uh, uh, oh, painful, but okay, but. I will tell you, gentlemen, that's why I do retouching for a living. I love it, but my soul is not corrupted if something goes wrong. Like my photography, that's my soul. That's my yeah, that's yeah. mine. This is not. So if I if the Scorpion King poster comes out and her arm is tweaked and it's wrong, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed that I touched it and I won't tell anybody. But 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 how does the actual process work, Lisa? So they'll they'll kind of say to you, like Dave said there, here's this package. How do they tell you this is what we want? How does that kind of form okay? Take? So okay, great, and that's an excellent question. So anymore, what you know, back in the old days, people did xeroxes, right, and and drawings. So you had leeway to make changes. Well, now everyone's looking. Everyone's Photoshop skills are pretty decent. So the studio signs off on a comp that's already designed. It's small. It's low res. So I already know what they're looking for, because yeah. it's done. It's just done small. And what that will mean also is a lot of details aren't dealt with. Hair edges, like do you want flowing hair or do you want helmet head? Do you, do you know what I mean? And, and yeah. so 
that's where you have artistic leeway is to actually finish stuff that no one looked at. And then keep in mind in our industry, and I don't, I, I don't want to be a bummer, but I think it's, it's good to talk about the realities of the work world. These kids that are doing these design work, my God, they're working on seven movies. They're working 12 to 14 hours a day. They're exhausted. No wonder that hand wasn't resolved in the poster. Yeah. Right. They got okay. too much to do. And then it comes down to finishing, and we want to make it better, but every lawyer and their mother has signed off on it, and no one wants to change it. Don't change it. Don't change it. They're too afraid. There's a lot of fear in that. So I will tell you the big budget movies are not that fun to work on. The film, independent film, smaller budget are great to work on because no one's locked in. Well, look at look at Spider-Man last year, Homecoming, where they said it got absolutely battered. And they said that all the small ones of Spider-Man kind of just um, laying on his back uh, by the river. They loved them. But when they did the main one, they did that whole thing where they do all the heads and they just basically tried to fit everybody in the film in this. And it just looks so unnatural. And, and I listened horrible. to a yeah. podcast and they said, unfortunately, there's, you know, so, someone out there designed that. We don't know who. It was probably, so it's, someone probably designed it well. A designer designed it and a committee kicked the shit out of it. That is 100% accurate, Dave. 100% <laughs> accurate. So what happens is, and, and you got to know that if you want to go into this industry. That, uh, And I got my hats off to these designers because they pour their heart and soul. They make the most beautiful stuff. And then some producers, non-artistic person is, oh, well, George's head needs to be four times bigger. And hey, let's add the yeah. horse in the back. And oh, you know, a castle would be fantastic in this. <laughs> And you smile and you take the paycheck and you do what they ask and you keep the beautiful one for your portfolio. And, and, even, and even though they're kind of in the industry, the people making these requests, do they still think there's that magic button in Photoshop that just does it? Yeah, there, there's, I mean, I will tell you, even not those producers, I will say other photographers even think there's some magic button. I'm gonna tell you a story once. This is a, <laughs> a pre 9-11. And we were doing a TV guide ad. I don't know if you all have that in the, in the UK. I know it's, yeah. yeah, yeah. I know so what it is. It yeah. used to be a really big deal in America. Big deal. Before it's very small, wasn't it? Like, very small. Yeah, exactly right. A, less a than A5. Exactly. Yeah. Tiny. And it was a big deal. Like one, one ad was $100,000. One little black and white ad in there per issue. Wow. Yeah. So we did a Miss America ad. It came out great. It's one of my favorite ones we ever did. They were, it was, they were, the ladies were all dogpiling to get to the crown, like full-on fighting. It was fantastic. And, of course, they don't know who's in Miss America. You have to shoot just models because you're doing the ad before it actually happens. And uh, one of the um, head people at the ad agency said, oh, this is fantastic, but just can you have everyone turned around? Because they shot it with everyone's back of their head because you, they didn't know who was going to be in it. So they just had to yeah. put generic women. And he said, this is great. Just make turn everyone around. I've got to tell you, I there's uh, I used to, quite a while ago, I used to teach um, uh, like the security services how to use Photoshop to enhance CCTV mm. still images and stuff like that. And uh, there was, uh, I went to their offices expecting it to be sort of like something off Minority Report with all these screens where they're using their hands. Not at all. They're all using like Photoshop versions that were maybe three, four years you know, prior to what we we're currently using. And I remember this one guy, I'm kind of showing them how to enhance detail so you can start to recognize faces and stuff like that. And this guy says to me, oh, I've got a file here. Can you work on this one? So I put it on my computer and it's an actual still image from CCTV at night looking down from a building line to the back of a car. 
So you, in the car, you can just see the silhouette of somebody's head. They're facing forward and the car lights are on and what have you. And he says to me, can you turn him around so we can identify from the front <laughs> no yeah. and these no. are the people protecting your streets fantastic right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So, oh my yeah. lord but they really get, did I, I gentlemen i will tell you you would be shocked how ignorant people are and any more people think oh can't you just push a button and make that happen mm. and it's not accurate it's it's, and that's a creative industry thing, isn't it? Is that what we do, you know, what you do is critical. It's that whole thing of judge, you know, judge. This poster is a major part of somebody looking at it and thinking, well, I really want to watch that. It's one of the most important jobs. And yet in the creative industry, your your role as a designer is kind of knock that out. Just knock it out. Yeah. yeah. But you do it wrong, you'll know about it. How much of... Um, Obviously, by the time what Glyn was saying, by the time it gets to you. So say we're looking at something like um, the next Marvel film, Avengers 4. Nobody knows anything about it. Are you like constantly under NDA all the time? Of oh, you, have, my- you have to be careful where you save it, when you send it, how you email it back. Yeah. So uh, let me explain a little bit about how the security system works. And that, again, changed all post 9-11 as well. So... Uh, Everything is NDA. Every, my whole life is NDA. Everything. Um, most studios, you can't even work off-site. So I can't work from my home studio. I have to go in. These places, have you have to turn in your cell phones. You can't have your cell okay. phone. There's no internet connection. The, t- the movie titles are all um, uh, fake made-up names. You know, Blue Butterfly will be what they call the next Spider-Man. That's an example. It's not accurate. But, uh, oh, yeah, everything's NDA completely, 100%. Wow. Because I know my nephew's a retoucher in London, and and he's he's a damn good one as well, Paul. And he worked on the Stella McCartney Olympic, um, yeah, when the uh, the games were over in yeah, London. Yeah, the and, uniforms, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and he had to work in a a room that was he said like a safe they had to have locked boxes over the tops of the computers and the printers and you had to go and get authorization to print something off and you were escorted to the printer and taken and because it was all this secret for this big yeah. launch and it's and staggering it lot, isn't it yeah a lot of this work he says it's just apple you, apple phones the iphones the new adverts for that oh my lord good lord ah ah and we're making landfill yeah. yeah, we're making landfill, and there's so much security around it. It's I I find it um uh, a, a bit amusing, Matt. I understand. I understand the marketing reasons for it and all the money involved, but it I feel like there's kind of a loss of perspective on it. Mm. Yeah, because once the next film comes along, it's forgotten. Something going back to the Imp Awards, because um, we could go so off track here because I've got a million questions. But going back to the Imp Awards, something that I did in my Photoshop World class last year, and, and I nicked it from Glyn, um, it was when we talk about copying and you know, and people go, you mustn't copy, you mustn't copy. And one of the examples we both showed about copying was we pull up all the movie posters that look exactly the same, shot through the legs, you know, turning back the man standing in the running down the dark alley. Yeah. Do you? Do, I, I guess as a creative, I think I know the answer to this is you get told this film has to be two people looking through a pair of open legs or a man and a woman back to back. And I guess you just have to do it, don't you? you yeah, you well, and you got to remember, honey, who's deciding what the look is? It's marketers yeah. at the studio. So what will happen is designers, we will 
give them what they asked for, give them what we think they really want to ask for, and then we'll give them what they think they should have asked for. Yeah. And you cross your fingers and pray it gets through. And, you know, we have a visual vernacular that we're used to with movies. You know, the Harry Potter films, they all have the same look. And they want that look because it triggers something. Comedies are always on white or pink or light. Do you know? So you're, you're kind of responding to society's visual cues as well. But as artists, we're always trying to push those boundaries, aren't we? And trying to do something different. And we try. It's just whether the marketers and the business people will allow it to go through. Well, kind of trying to lean in from that there. You said, you know, we're all trying to do something different. Somebody who is at the top of their game because, of, you know, you're doing what you're doing. It's, it's, this is this is the, the real deal. How, do you kind of, are you still trying to push to learn more? And if so, how do you go about trying to learn more stuff Excellent. within Photoshop? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, well, one, I try to go outside my industry. So I go to photo, sh- I go to photo shows, art exhibits, and I try to look outside of, of what is actually currently being done. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? To try to yeah, just spur yeah. something else on. Do you know what a really good resource I've been using lately is Behance? Right. Behance. And I look in areas that are not my area to try to get ideas. So I've really got to get more use out of that because I keep, I keep saying to myself, I must upload more stuff because I went through a stint when it first started. Yeah. And I just haven't, so I really have got to get more on there. People tend to fall in two camps as well. They either go, I don't like to look at anything because I don't want to be influenced, or I like to look at everything because I want to make sure I don't end up creating, spending hours on something, and then someone goes, oh, yeah, that looks exactly like that poster. Well, and we do do that. I mean, we can't help it that we do stuff that looks like other posters. And Mm. and I think that's a natural part of the process. But I know what I've been trying to do lately is I'll design in the typical vernacular. So if I'm doing comedy, I do the light white with the high key. Okay. But then what I'll try to do is just say, screw it. I'm going to try something completely different and turn around. And I might look at some art from Brazil or old photography or paintings. I like to look at paintings a lot and and shift it up now chances are the client's going to pick the white light comedy because it's what they're familiar with but it doesn't mean i have to stop creating the different looks. yeah i've got to, i've got to ask a, i've got to ask a cheesy question because we're going to go into a segment in a minute dave i think now's about time but before we do i've got to ask the obvious question what's your favorite movie poster that you've worked i was on? gonna ask <laughs> what one would you hang on if you if you someone said you have to hang a piece of your work on on your wall in your home that defined your job that that's the piece of work I'm most proud yeah, of yeah, criminy yeah. that is a really tough question I will tell you nothing that's been published okay. meaning and what I mean by that is I've had posters I've designed that I really dug and they didn't get picked so for example the uh, they did a rebranding of the movie Whiplash. Did you see it? Oh, I love that movie. Yeah. Oh, it's a great film. Oh, great film. Um, The design agency that came to me was hired by Sony Classics to to do the rebranding. And I was told to make it a warm, like father, son, warm poster, which is 100% not what that movie is about. And I watched the movie. That was a kiss of death. I shouldn't have watched the movie because it's very dark and angry and oh. And um, I came up with some stuff that I think I really digged. And they didn't want it because they didn't want to sell the post, the movie that way. So I, and I'm going to tell you, gentlemen, that's why I don't design primarily for a living, because it would kill my soul. 
I'd be crushed. So I design often, but it's not my main living. That way I can continue and not feel like my heart's been kicked out of it because I'm not, I'm not personally strong enough to let it go. So would you say that I've got to be careful how I word this because this is your industry, your job. Is it, is some of what you have to do polishing turds? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I polish really well. I'm a good turd yeah. polisher. <laughs> you roll it and, in glitter as well. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love glitter. And you got to I got to say, I love Photoshop. I love working in Photoshop and I love having a, a piece of crap original where I've got to really try to clean this up and make it look as good as I can. I, I feel like I'm kind of like a car mechanic at times. Do you know what I mean? And I'm cleaning out the engine and I can only get it as good as it's going to get, but it's a real challenge and I love it. I was going to say, do you really love the challenge of like a difficult cutout? How am I going to work this out? How am I going to do that? Cutting a mask is one of the greatest joys of my life. Don't tell it. It's so embarrassing. Wow. Like I absolutely love it. I get into a Zen thing or skin retouching, like beauty retouching. Love it. And if I do my job right, no one can tell I did it. You know, no one yes. looks at it and goes, wow, that's amazing. They're looking at the picture. They're not looking at my work. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Totally, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so it's a weird dichotomy because I'll work really hard. And if I work properly and I do my job right, no one knows I did it. Yeah, I'm invisible. One of the speakers at Max, I don't know if you saw her, um, Annie Atkins, who does the, she, her job is, it's kind of similar to what you do, but her job is to make the, like you say there's a war film and there's a guy sat at a desk and he's got the, the war map of Germany and the, and the recent newspaper and the, the, stuff on the wall behind her job is to make those the passports and the props and she says the thing i make the things that no one cares about but if they were wrong they'd, they'd be noticed so she makes the stuff that no one notices but it makes it very authentic and i would did, love that job yes she, she, she did yeah. some um feedback she was talking about some feedback that um like she'd created something and she talks about the comments on imdb and she said like, she'd made this series of maps in illustrator that had the, the the smallest detail of areas of like huts on an island uh, on one map eight maps and they were on the wall in the film and they were all blurred out because that oh. depth um, oh, depth right. of film oh. but she said they had to be as authentic as possible because they just had to look like they were actual maps and she said yeah. you know she gets paid for it she doesn't yeah. care just but getting just they're they're just the things like so in looking at some of the posters there are props and things there they make it authentic your job is to like give it authenticity and make it believable but i, I mean the amount that i think is it is it psd disasters or one of those sites where yeah, they do yeah, yeah, yeah. where they have movie posters where there are two men's bodies and they go oh yeah that's going to be robert de niro and that's going to be al pacino they're not available for the shoot here's their heads and you and you can so tell it's been badly retouched. There are obviously people in the industry who are very cheap, and there's some studios that really don't care what goes out, which I find really odd. And you know what? I've got you know I'm going to share something with you about how I feel about that. So uh, I have two things to say. First of all, on the prop making, you guys want to check out some amazing work done. The movie Seven, yes, with yes. Uh, Brad yeah. Pitt and uh, Kevin Spacey, the guy who did all the books like the crazy stuff, the writings, all the background art direction, uh, was, is a guy named John Sable, and he used to be a major creative director at Disney. They are exquisite, these pieces. And no one notices them in the, you know, in the movie. You're not even noticing. And if you looked at that, it's like, oh, my God, these are absolutely beautiful pieces of art. Um, 
like a, a there's a German artist Kiefer. They look like that. Anyway, they're just pretty amazing stuff. Um, the turds, the body doubles. What I find fascinating is the actors who refuse to do the shoots. Don't they know full well they're going to be stripped in? And it makes them look horrible. And it makes them look horrible. Do the shoot. You know, we're going to put it on someone else's body if you're not going to do it. Yeah, sorry if that. Really fascinating. Sorry if that five million dollars wasn't enough for you just to have a couple right. of photos taken. <laughs> well, and Heidi was it Heidi Klum or Elle McPherson? There was a film I did a poster. This is so long ago. I don't even know what the movie was, but it was Elle McPherson, and they had the crappiest, crappiest shot of her, like crap. And I'm like, you've got a supermodel, a supermodel, and you can't get me a good photo to put on this poster. Like, are you kidding? Are you absolutely <laughs> kidding? And they could, they wouldn't buy one, wouldn't get one, whatever. And wow. it, oh, it's horrible. And that's when you call Paul Shipper and go, yeah. mate, can we draw have this? you, so do you know Kyle Lambert as well? Have you come across no. Kyle? So Kyle, Kyle's English, but he lives in LA. Um, he's actually, he's like most people who want to be an actor. They'd like do the whole thing. I've got to move to Hollywood to become an actor. Kyle is in the same field as Paul Shipper and Drew Struzan. In fact, when Drew Struzan had his... A uh, recent like anniversary thing. Kyle did the poster for it for wow. Drew, um, and Kyle Kyle did all the Stranger Things posters for series oh, one nice. and series two, and Timeless, the new TV show. And um, he, like, this is going off track, but this is stuff that fascinates me because it all comes back to the artwork. If you Google or go on YouTube and look up Morgan Freeman uh, drawn on the iPad. Oh, I've seen it. Right, that's Kyle. Oh wow! Okay that really realistic picture and and he's that that's his industry now that and when you watch the work they have to do that and and going back to drew struzan if you don't if you listen and you don't know drew google him because i've got both of his books and he did all like the raiders of the lost art he's a master uh, i think master. john john alvin was the other guy that he like did et dave but, how do you spell how do you spell his surname s-t-r-u-z-a-n drew struzan uh he did back to the future um, uh, you know all those old hand painted films, which yeah, yeah, yeah. and Drew painted them. He'd, he'd yeah. have a canvas and he yeah. draw them. Now, yeah. whereas Kyle does it all on the iPad, which and and this is finished artwork. This is used all the Stranger Things was all done on an iPad. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Which are, it's incredible. It's sick. There was a, yeah, a is. show on HBO Transparent. Transparent and. BLT did something really cool. They hired traditional artists to do paintings for a couple of seasons, and they were actually not literally done paintings done. It was fantastic. It was just great. Right. Let's have this segment. We're going to bring this in because this is where we find out a lot more about you, Lisa. Oh, my. In oh, a very my, quick my, my. fashion. Excellent. It's time for the segment, which we call... Getting to know you, getting to know all about you. <laughs> all right, so Lisa, we're going to throw 10 statements, words or whatever at you. And all we want you to do is just say the first thing that comes to your mind. They're completely random. All right. Um, and it's just kind of give us and people listening a bit more of a, an insight into Lisa Carney. All so right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> all right, so let's just start the timer now. Yeah, we'll start off with an easy one. Photoshop. Awesome. LA. Smoky. <laughs> next one's Sorry. France. <laughs> Sorry, what was that last one? Uh, the next one's France. 
France. Ugh. France. Yeah. I don't. Mm. I'm not sure. I'm just. I'm. I'm very uh, unsure of my my relationship with France after leaving. France. All right, we got. We'll talk about that afterwards because you used to, you lived there for a while. Yeah. So we'll move on. Yeah. All right. Okay. So here's one for you. A book called The War of Art. Oh, I love that book. Oh, it's an amazing book. You only wanted one word. I, it's ama- It's a great book. You should read that. That can be more than one word. I don't mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right. <laughs> great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll keep it to one word. I'm don't sorry. move on. <laughs> yeah, there's the Amazon five-star review. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the next one's education. Oh, so important. Education's master. Very important. Online or in person? Either. Either. It depends on who you are. I would love to expand on that, but I don't think you have time. But Okay, well, we'll pick up a start, we start next to that. that one. We can pick up on that one. Okay. We, want to, we want to talk about education anyway when we come back. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the next one, uh, you won't know anything about this. Chocolate brownies. I make a great <laughs> chocolate brownie. Your son makes... Oh, well, so son. you say. I mean, well, I've not tasted any, but... Yeah. I, I had them. We need I, to I had, them. No, you really, had my sons, really not, not I had your sons, and they they take some beating, I've got to say. They were delish. Yeah. Um, okay, so you, you might have answered this one already. Photography. Oh, it's my passion. Okay. okay. Yeah. The next one, failure. Oh. Embarrassment. <laughs> but it, I'm but, putting a star next to that one as well. Yeah, then. yeah. Okay. But it's necessary. I think, yeah. I think the bleep button's going to be needed on this last one. Uh-uh. <laughs> Possibly, because I don't know if it was this or some other thing, but I've just written down here spiders. Oh, mother. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that. Oh. Do we have to explain no. about the spider? No. No, no we don't. Oh. We don't. Let's just say. You Hole don't like in them. in my leg, yes. Yeah, you yeah. don't like them. Enough no. said. Okay, right. So let's stop that timer, and I'm going to retract now. We're going to go back a little bit, and okay. I want to speak to you. You mentioned one there, online or in person. You yeah. want to expand on it? Go so it. Um, personally, I prefer to do in person. However, I think online education has opened up a world to people who are not normally accessible. We could be talking to someone in Tanzania. And they could be learning this and doing it. And it's so critical. It's like the great equalizer, I think. Mm-hmm. And I had, while I was living in France, I was teaching at a, a online university. And I had a single mom living in something like Kansas or Missouri who had, she had three kids and she was really struggling. And we were able to open this whole possibility of a career for her. All because at two in the morning when her babies were asleep, she and I could go through and do Photoshop. And it's a miracle. I prefer to talk to people in person, but I just love that that's available. But th- you know, thankfully, they've got things like what we're using now. We're using that Zoom utility. Yeah. Although this is an audio podcast, we can see each other because that's an easier way of, yeah, it's just better communicating like that, isn't it? It's just better. Yeah. So the the world has shrunk because of this kind of this kind yeah. of utility. And then I would say on the con side of it is you've got this this YouTube notion of training, and I feel like folks have gotten so the audience, not so much the presenters, so jaded and so uh, greedy. And they want yes. all your time for free and they want things explained, they want it, and they bag on you so badly. And it's like, well, that was free. So you don't like it, f- off. You oh yeah, yeah. So, so it's so funny that you mentioned YouTube because this has come up in so many other podcasts and for the and for the right reasons as well. Uh, long story short, I've got a YouTube channel 
and I was doing stuff on a weekly basis, pre-recorded, you know, tutorials, blah, 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 blah. And I've kind of pulled back from doing that now. So my focus now on YouTube is to do live broadcasts because I prefer the interaction. But YouTube, my God, we have all the social media places. That has got to be the dumping ground for trolls. It yeah. really has. Jeez. And, it, and it's so sad. Like, great. If you don't like the, the information or the video, okay, move on. You don't have to yeah, bag only. on anyone. Yeah. 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 I thought it's really a, a bit of a crux mm, for me. But it's a right. bit like, a, I always think like a comedy club where every comedian, no matter how hard they try, they're just going to get heckled by everybody. It's like people go there to heckle. People go there to dump their frustrations. And it's like, I can't, I don't go up to anyone in the street and speak to them like that to their face because I get a smack in the mouth. But you know, I'll go on YouTube and say the most disgusting, awful things to a complete stranger and it'll make me feel better. I mean, how, how sad that in, in the creative industry or any industry that people feel that's now an acceptable way of critiquing or feedback or anything. And then, pro- and Dave, professionally, do you find like I'll have people comment sometimes on my creative life stuff and they're like, oh, well, she's giving out wrong information. And I'm like, I've been doing this for 25 years and I make my living at this. I assure you, I am not giving you out wrong information. Yeah, different but, information. Yes, yes. That, that's, that's, that's an interesting point there because I've always said, you know, does it really matter unless you are on a real tight deadline and you want to get as efficient and as quick as possible? If you if you end up with exactly the thing that you set out to get, does it really matter how you get there? No. It does it, you know, but you always get people saying, oh, no, no, what you should do is you should have used this instead. I don't really care. I've got what I wanted. Well, it's like <laughs> apple really pie. Matter? You make apple pie. Does it matter how you cut your apples? Well, you want it to be the way you want it. It doesn't matter what they want. You're making yeah, your, yeah, your creation. Yeah. yeah. So I've got a question going off topic now. If we're, if, Go for it. Yeah. Um, something we were mentioning earlier from when you started, uh, which I think is quite relevant today, is women in your industry. Mm. Is it's, it's always been, a you know, I just mentioned a handful of men fr- from the past. Do you have somebody in the industry that you kind of aspired to be looked up to? Do you have, I mean, how how big is your industry in terms of females versus men getting the work you're getting? Excellent. And thank you for that question. I thank you for bringing this up because I think it's really important. Uh, I'm going to say something, and I hope this doesn't sound um, egotistical or arrogant, but I'm one of the leaders as a woman in this industry because there, oh, weren't, good for any. You. there, there weren't any. There's... It was all men. I mean, when I went to photography school, there was mostly men. There were a handful of girls in there. It's changed now, thank God. But no, honey, that's and it's a very, very male-dominated industry still. Very. It's and changing. It's, I was going to say on that topic, I think cause it's amazing. Me and Dave were both talking before we actually started, and we, you know, got you into the conversation. We got our notes, as you can see here, of things, and it just happened. We we both got that there, haven't we? You've got that kind of angle there, Dave, and I've got here written down women in the industry, predominantly male-dominated world, is because of that, does it almost seem like going back years the way that you get treated? Or is it not quite like that now? Do you know, that's a really interesting question. Um, I have a very strange uh, or unique background, perhaps, in this industry and in my personal life that allows for that not to happen. Um, I have a, a group of women artists I've, I'm involved with uh, in, in entertainment. And I talk a lot about how they talk a lot about the treatment that they get. And I listen and I'm astounded at some of the behavior that is directed towards them. But I was raised by um, a mom who was one of the first women judges in Los Angeles. 
Oh, wow. So in my household, women were, and my mom was the judge, my dad was the lawyer. So women were actually above power-wise. Yeah. So I grew up with the expectation that I was an equal, period. And I've lived my life work-wise the same way. And, and why there's something wouldn't you? Because this is that's the, the thing that's is the way what... it is. And so because of how I present myself, I feel like I've had different treatment because there's there was no room for it to be any any other way. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, and ultimately, if you put two posters up on a wall side by side, you wouldn't know what creed, color, sex, you know, at the end of the day, the work's as good as it needs to be, regardless of who's doing it. But because it's obviously with what's gone on in the last couple of years in the movie industry, we sort of wondered how behind the scenes how uh how much it's grown in the time you've been in it and as you say if you're like out the front waving the flag for it you know good on you for getting more giving more people the confidence to try and get in and do what you do rather than now i do want to say say something about this however though on the design end it's totally different the action adventure the design agencies are going to give that to a man and they're going to give the romance movies to a female designer okay and th- so there still needs to be some work done some in redress. that area because it doesn't it, need it, to be that way. It, again, it's re- it is really interesting hearing this. I'm, and I'm, I am glad we've talked about this because before now we've had uh, a, f- a friend of ours, photographer called Hannah Cousins, based in the UK, and we kind of posed the same question to her. And although she says in a roundabout kind of way that, yes, it is definitely still a male-dominated industry when we talk about the photography, and there are situations where she can be made to – really feel that hannah is somebody who can definitely hold their hold her own um so if somebody does come across in that way that they're kind of using that male dominant kind of mansplaining yeah exactly she can put them back in her place which is fantastic to hear you are also in the short time that we've got to know each other i can see that you are you're a strong person and you're somebody who who will fight their corner and won't put up with any kind of rubbish but is that how you've got to be in the industry or is it now not the case is it have you got to be a strong woman to to kind of survive in this world in this, absolutely in this yes yes short answer is yes you do right you absolutely do for now and and that will start changing plus there's also uh the visualization that people are getting like if you go to adobe max how many women presenters are there that's a good point yeah. and most of them point. you'll find most of them tend to be in the more production end like indesign and the finishing section of it but not the you know Nikon just had a big controversy because they had the uh, photographers of Asia or whatnot, and there was not a single woman in That's it. That's right, I remember and, that. Um, and if you look on the, the teams of who's doing the lecturing, how many women are there? A handful at, mo- at most. So we got a ways to go. It's uh, um, with that as well, because I'm aware of it. Dave, you know, Dave, we've, we've spoken about this, Dave, haven't we? And yeah. you kind of see that, the way that the industry can be divided. And then let's say you'll have some kind of um some function being run by a certain company and then you can what what i'm conscious of i would hate to feel that a woman feels that she's being brought in to make the numbers up do you know what i mean it's kind of like you know we know we need more women let's get a woman in it should i I, because sometimes i feel that that maybe i'm wrong i don't know but maybe I, i kind of put myself in their shoes thinking do they ever feel that well, Are they even made to feel like that? Maybe, but we got to start somewhere, don't we? Like, for example, if I get put on a speaking circuit only because I'm a woman and someone needs, they need their numbers up, well, let me rock it. 
Let me get out yeah. there and do the best I can, and maybe but, next time. But you get what my point is, Lisa. I'm saying that you, it shouldn't be male, female. It's like look at that person's work. I don't care what they are, male or female. Look at that work. Look at the way that person is able to uh, yeah. uh, to kind of portray what they do and explain it. Well, let me put it this way. And yes, dear, I do understand. I, I totally understand your point. However, I will assure you there are enough qualified women out there for them to find in yeah. whatever field. So if for now they need to consciously go, oh, we need a woman. And they have to consciously go, oh, we have to pick a few more women because we're out of balance. They'll find qualified women. Yeah. And maybe it's going to take that for a while. Yeah, maybe it takes that nudge to actually go out and make the effort to look rather than call on the, the stock. I mean, my my eldest daughter, she's 10. She plays football. She plays soccer at, for a boys' team. Excellent. And and she, at, ten, at 10 years old, she's, she's currently playing for a boys' team on a Sunday morning. She's their top scorer. Last season, she was That's she was awesome. their player's player. But even at 10 years old, two weeks ago, a 10-year-old boy said to her during a game, get out of my way, bitch. She, she's, we've said to her, you are going to find you're in a, you, you know, you are in a world where it is very, you know, male, it's a male orientated sport. You're a, you're a girl. You're now being allowed to play with the boys. You, you have to now, sadly, you're still going to have to expect it. You're still going to have to deal with it. Luckily, it's not as much as maybe, you know, five years ago. And, and like we said with Hannah, with yourself, with other people in the industry, it's nice now there's been a shift that, Particularly, like, I love Star Trek, uh, love Doctor Who. And you look at the new Star yeah. Trek, Discovery, it's Michael Burnham, it's um, Sonique from, from Walking Dead. You've got Doctor Who is now being played by a woman. There's such a big shift now. It's actually nice to see, in all walks of life, the good, talented people getting the work because they're good enough, not because they're a woman. Yeah. Can, can, I, can I just say how cool it was? Though? Only going back a few weeks ago now, I was over at Dave's house. And uh, his two girls were finishing school, so me and Dave walked to school like a couple uh, to go and pick his pick his uh, his girls up. And when when she came out of the school, there she is, and all these lads were like walking around her. They wanted to be with her. She was like yeah, the cool kid the to cool be kid. with. It was so That's cool. Me and Dave walking back, going, "Look at that! Look, all the lads want to hang around with her." Yeah. Right? Every weekend, she's has four or five boys calling for her to go out and play. Yeah, it's 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 cool. And like, good it on her. Good. She's she's totally, and she's not phased by it. And, and she won't and know any young, better. It'll be like for her, that's normal. And my youngest daughter, she she's creative like me. She's she, I'll sit her in front of Illustrator. I I want her to to become a creative. I want her because this from a design point of view, going back to where we were with the design is with the educate with there being so much education available now, and with the tools being more accessible than they were. 10 years ago even 20 you know we're talking 20 years ago about a 10,000 pound computer yeah you can go and buy the new MacBook Pro um, and it can cost you 10 grand if you upgrade it but the tools are here now we've yeah and I guess the competition's bigger Ooh, for, yeah. for, for you it's like you know the, the, the competition's way out there and something I wanted to, to ask you about was obviously you what you do you're salaried or, you know, not salaried, but your, your paid per job. Is there a point where, because I, as a designer, I look at the secondary market, there's a big uh, creative influx of people are now selling posters for old films. They're, they're basically recreating art for old films. Is there a point in what you do where you could actually go, I'm going to make something and sell it? Are you allowed to do that? Not with the material. 
not with the originals. Like anything that I've been given, like actor shots, headshots, originals, I, no, I yeah. can't. Th- those are not mine. But if you created a poster for a film that, say, had none of those elements, that people like I'm looking at Philip Dick's Electric Dreams. It's you know, it's a man's body, lady's body, hand. You don't know who that is. Could, I did a lot of design you... work for that show. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, are you? And do you think you'd be in a position where you it would change what you do? That's what I'm trying to get at. Is will you always do this or is there something you're that you can build towards is there still something ahead of you that you can do wow does that make sense yeah it does make sense it's a really interesting question because i feel like creatively i'm probably on the tail end of that i would probably be doing more fine art at this point right okay then then doing this because i'm already i mean i'm basically at the top of this field right now Yes. And market-wise, to, to, to do alternative posters, and that would be more of a fine art, perhaps, side okay. gig. But but I'm already up with the, the heavy hitter players. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And that's that's where, and I, I, I'm not trying to brag. It's just a longevity thing. No, just we we, we totally get what you're saying. You are, you, I mean, does it get any bigger than doing, the, you know, the, the finishing for these yeah, the biggest yeah. movies out there? It doesn't, does it? Let's face yeah. it. So yeah. that's what you're doing. So, um Lisa, I want to ask, there's one little thing I want to tick off that we've asked about, and then we're going to kind of, I don't want to keep you too long, because I know it's kind of, you know, middle of the day for you, you're going to have work to do, but I do want to backtrack onto one thing you mentioned, because the way you reacted when we said it, and it was failure. Yeah. What, what you, what, let's expand on what you just said there, just a little bit. What, okay. What, what, why did it cause that reaction? Right. So what's very interesting about failure, and um, and I'm presuming you're asking me about that because of an article I did about failure on my website. No, uh, your musings. Yes. It, yeah. Yes. So I wrote a, basically, yeah. I wrote a little blog article kind of thing about failure. And um, I, I found it was such an interesting process to go through this late in my career to totally bomb on a job. I mean, bomb, flat out fall on my face. And uh, aside from being humiliating, it was also really painful to feel like I let down these clients of mine because I take my responsibility really serious. And it was a really good lesson about picking yourself up. Like, we're gonna fail. We're gonna f*** up. We're gonna, it's gonna happen. We're human beings. It cannot be helped. And I feel like as a working professional, especially after you've been doing it for a while, you get this notion that you cannot fail. And the pressure that puts on you is tremendous. And it's not accurate. And actually, there's some beauty in failure because it makes you try harder. It makes you kind of wake up and go, oh, I better up my game. I better not get arrogant about this. I better not get arrogant about who I am. Like, look, let me let me explain it with Photoshop. I can be so cocky about Photoshop. I, be, I use Photoshop every single day, almost quite literally for the last 25 years because I kind of have a workaholic issue. And if I if I walked around ask, acting like someone just starting out can't teach me something, I'm going to become a dinosaur. Do you know what I mean? And it's really important, but it sometimes takes failure for me to get to the point where I'll open my eyes and look left and go, oh, maybe I need to learn something else. But then there you were. In my first class I teach at Max last year, there you are sat with a notepad. And I was like, oh, my God, Lisa Khan is in my yeah. class. And she's – yeah, so I that, goes, that shows who you are. Do you, I will tell you exactly what it was that you were teaching that made me go, holy <laughs> You were teaching content-aware Phil. And back th- – that tool has gotten so, so, so yeah. much better now. But back when it first came out, it, in, it was last year, I think we said, that this was. You were doing that thing where you isolated an area – and then did content or refill. 
and the AI worked beautifully. Yeah, and I yeah, was yeah. Like, well, I, I forget who taught me that as well. And it was fantastic. It was a simple little thing. Yeah, and it yeah, completely yeah. changed my workflow. I used it ever since after that. And then they've updated it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. But still, it's it. And now I think because of the way you taught it that I learned, now that update makes me realize why that update was so important and how to use it yeah. better. And I'm, I'm really enjoying that update. Although, yeah. you know, it's, it kind of gets a bit of getting used to. But it's good to know there's the update. But there's also that other little thing you can fall back on. That's what I love about this Photoshop is you've just those little nuggets that yeah. can really help you out. Well, aren't you amazed, Glenn, about how you can still learn new stuff? I love that. I mean, my God, I've been doing this program for how long? And I still discover new stuff, like these blending sliders. I'm like, oh, look at this. I know yeah. Corey Barker, who we spoke to recently, or I spoke to, I keep saying we, because I was flying solo on that one. Because oh. uh, Dave was earning man points that Corey's day. great. Uh, good, good he's, he's got something coming out, which uh, part of it will have been released by now, but in the new year, He's, he's researched it. Is anybody else doing it? And there is nobody else doing it. Because obviously he's the 3D guy. Yeah. And he's worked out a way of using Photoshop with dimension to do stuff that is just not being done. And we've talked about it at length, me and him off, off air. It's like, holy crap. That is a matter. Because I want to learn 3D. I think now with him doing this, this is how I'm going to learn it. And yeah, you're right. It's it, Those examples there. It's just somebody finding something new. You think, I love that. And it's to, like to be CGI in industry, for Photoshop. Absolutely. It totally is. Yeah. Totally I love, is, I love yeah. Adobe Dimensions. I'm struggling with it because I'm not a 3D girl, but I, I want to learn Same it. Same here. I'm so. not. Uh, but I think this core thing is going to be interesting. Yeah. And I, then I, also, uh, sorry, I was going to say that the, the other thing about learning new things like that and him expanding frequency separation is one of those things. Like all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, I could do this. And then you've got basic frequency separation. And it's a whole different way of thinking about Photoshop completely. And then it's like you combine using median or, or using filters and frequency separation. And it's like a whole nother thing. And how yeah, and you think, is that? What was the person doing the day that, that they came up with frequency separation? It's what, where were they going with that? Because we said it's like the first man to ever milk a cow. What was he thinking? <laughs> do you know what's so funny you should say that? It, absolutely. Or the first person who ate an oyster. Who figured out the, to open yeah. an oyster or to cook yeah. an artichoke? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Some freak out there and God love him. Oh, or her it might have been well, her. well exactly exactly well, well i'll tell you what this this last bit here this is where i want to kind of i think dave will probably recall it because there is so much more and i'm sure dave like me you've got plenty more on your piece of paper here but we can save this because we are definitely going to get you back on, oh yeah i've thoroughly enjoyed this but i want to just quickly we may have covered this already lisa but it is something that we do with everybody that comes on um and it's we call it loves and loathes all right, and it's kind of like an exp uh, a version of what we've done with getting to know you, but you can kind of expand it a little bit. It's entirely up to you. When I say, "What do you love about the industry and what do you do or whatever?" What's the first thing you think of that I think, "Yeah, I really love that." That's what gets me up in the morning. Kind yeah, of that's what I have to say. Like for smile. for me, like that I'm paid. I get paid to play and paint all day. I mean, how, how amazing is that? And I can live anywhere in the world. I've lived in France. I've lived in Italy. I've been in Seattle. I've been in Truckee, California, all doing this. I'm not in a cubicle. It's amazing. Very cool. All right. Okay. So then there's what we call the loathes. And I don't mean that in a way, oh, I really hate that. But is there anything about what you do or the industry that you think, I don't like that. I wish I could change it. Yeah. I would say how we uh, retouch women. 
I hate that I look at myself and I go, oh my God, my sock neck. Or look, I'm an eight-hour job. I'm an eight-hour retouching job. <laughs> and I hate that. I absolutely 100% hate that. And it's a, a payment for the job I do. That's the price I pay for that. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. it's kind of like, um, you know, in British TV, y'all have women who are real looking and older. American TV, we don't have that. And and it's it's that kind of thing. So I loathe that part of my job. All right. Well, Dave, I think I think let's call let's let's call it yeah. because I want to keep a lot of stuff back because this I've I've generally enjoyed this. Oh, we, awesome, uh, awesome. And we have a rule now. So at the moment, we've had no repeat guests. Okay, we're coming up to episode fifty. We wow. have our first repeat guest coming up, and um, um, I think the show rule should be that the second time we have a guest on, we do the interview in person. Oh yeah! Yes, well, there you go. So I like that. I like that. Yeah. All right. Well, Anyone who comes back on the show, yeah, yeah, it, it has to be in person. We get to have a sit down, proper chat, and and uh, and talk about it a little bit more because there's you know I've got a billion things I could ask yeah. you. Yeah. No, this is really interesting, and I really appreciate you having me on. It's a it's not at all. It's, it's, it's you giving us a time. Pleasure. I appreciate it, and I've got to say because I, before I forget it, a massive thank you from me because we were both kind of going around your website today, and all of a sudden. I go on your one of the links stuff I like. And oh, what do I you see? saw your book. I yes. see my book, and she's like, yeah. "I love this guy." And I'm like, oh. "Oh!" I said to my wife, "I said, see this here. This is Lisa. You know, the girl who does the Hollywood movies. She's got my book on her side. And she said, I love this guy." Oh. <laughs> you get good information. I, you do. You really and I do. do mean this in the nice. And this isn't uh, this isn't to detract detract from that, but I am so proud. I get to design his book covers. Aww, so when, when, when every time someone shares that book, there's, you know, I say there's yeah. two, two pages of mine and 365 <laughs> of his. Right. But I'm, I get such a thrill yeah. every time he posts. Um, you know, I'm sure you, like, do you, there's one last thing before you go around, because yeah. I like, like I was just saying about, I love seeing the book cover, because yeah. every time it's like, that's my best mate's book. Yeah. And I get, I get to work on that artwork as well. Do you still get the thrill when you see a piece of your workout in the open? Do you still stop? Oh my god, absolutely! You know my favorite thing is I did that. I'll see it usually where I see it. It's at some road stop in France or Italy, and it's some video. You know how they have those DVDs of films? Yeah, yeah. And I'll be like, I did that because in America we don't see that so much. You know what I mean? Because once we it's moved on, but you'll see it overseas. I saw something in Singapore. I was in Singapore at a job, and I saw some stuff, and I was like. Oh, I was brilliant. at a Seven Eleven, but who cares, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That never right. goes away. Well, Lisa, oh, thank you. From me, I guess from Dave, thank you so much. It's My been absolute pleasure. pleasure getting to to know you in the short time we've known you. Thank you so much as well for God coming around. I came around to your house and we had food. Dinner. And Dave was busy then. Dave. But, yeah. yeah. Oh, no. Next time. Next time. Next time. I, and those I chocolate will. brownies. Please tell your son they were gorgeous. I will. I absolutely will. All right, gentlemen. I look forward to seeing this when this gets out. We, yes, yeah. absolutely. Brilliant, yeah, Lisa. Thank you yeah, so much. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lisa. My pleasure. So ready? One, two. two. And this is you as well, Lisa. I hear One, you. One, two, three. Really? A, that was a, in sync. I, I'm a single wow. clapper. <laughs> and yeah. I am a single right. clapper now. Oh God, not a single slapper, but a single clapper. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm recording right now. Um... <laughs> no one but you Brits know what that means, anyway. So I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs>